Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris, and I am joined today by Scott Willis, who is or was a crew intern for two years uh, at the University of Florida. And he is going to share his story of what he saw from the ground up uh, inside Crew. And so, Scotty, you have worked for Crew, or at least you, you interned with them for two years. And I just want to bring um, our audience up to speed real quick um, with what's going on at Crew, and then I'm going to give you the floor. So a few weeks ago, a video came out, a montage of some of the speakers and what they were saying at Crew 19, which was a staff mm -hmm. conference for Crew. And since then, uh, some other things have been dug up, um, not just by myself, but by others who have shown that Crew is sliding as an organization into not just social justice, but that, that whole panoply, like going soft on homosexuality and mm -hmm. um, just a bunch of stuff came up. And so I've done, I think, three videos now where I've talked about some of this and there's been a reaction within Crew. And so um, I think the most notable thing is uh, Sellers, who is uh, the vice president of Crew, put out a letter to their donors. And uh, I, I guess it went out to staff as well. It was to their supporters, though, is my understanding. And he tried to sort of combat some of the things that have been said about crew. But all that's really been said is what crew saying. It's just, you know, here's the video. You can watch it for yourself. Here's clips of uh, people on staff at crew saying things. And so, um, Scott, I really want to, I'm very curious to hear your perspective on this. And I'm sure everyone watching this is as someone who was involved with crew. Um, what is going on in crew? Tell us a little bit about your experience there. Um, and uh, it, is it sliding towards social justice? And, and if so, on what level? Um, well, first of all, I want to say that I was an intern for just two years and I worked, I was involved as a student. Um, that, that does mean that my experience is somewhat limited. Um, but I think that my experience, plus everything that you've said, everything that I've heard others complain about, both current and former staff members, I think my experience fits in with that. So what I'm hoping to do is to share my little slice of the pie and sort of show how it corroborates. Um, I think there definitely seems to be a move towards social justice. And I think there are two sorts of people that I've found or that I personally experienced. Um, in my time with crew, either ones who were very much into the ideas of oppression and oppressed, intersectionality, uh, et cetera, or you, you had people who simply followed along, or, or of course you also had people who didn't agree um, or who mostly ignored it. But there's definitely a, a movement um, that I experienced toward imbibing that cultural narrative of, um, this certain sector, sector of our society is a victim, this certain group is a victim, ethnic group, or gender in the case of women, that there was some of that too. Um, yeah, there's definitely, in my experience, seems to be a, a lurch toward that. And, but it's not just crew. I mean, other people have pointed out it's the PCA, it's the SBC, it's uh, Gospel Coalition, a lot of different organizations. So, yeah, that's a good point. I wanted to ask, uh, and I, I do want to hear your story. I want to hear some of the things that you saw and the, and the evidence for w why you're saying that it is taking that turn. But I, I want to ask you this. I've had a number of crew staff members reach out, reach out to me um, on 
social media, email. And the theme that I keep hearing is don't tell anyone who I am. I can't talk publicly. You're the only person that I've talked to who's a former crew staff. Who's been or, and and technically I know you said you're not you weren't on staff you were an intern but I mean um, it, it's very very similar it's just a limited two year position but okay. you do a lot of the same thing as a staff person does during that two years so, so you're the only person that was a staff member or an intern who's been willing to actually come on camera publicly and talk about these things why is that how come staff members are afraid to talk about what's going on inside crew well I, I think. Some people, I had mentioned there are two groups, either those that are really, really promoting it or who just go along with the flow. I think a lot of people aren't aware that there's any disagreement, um, especially among the interns or younger staff. I, I think certainly in my experience, there are some that simply this is what they've heard and they accept it because it's coming from trusted authorities. That That's the impression I've gotten. Um, also, I mean, it, it's really hard to talk against your boss. Um, yeah, right. I get that. Yeah, definitely. The backlash from friends or coworkers. I mean, I, I felt that to a, I mean, a limited degree because I'm I'm really not all that important as a person. But um, I definitely experienced that. I mean, I posted several times on my Facebook, uh, pointing out like there are alternative viewpoints. Crew seems to be going in this direction. Not just crew, but again that litany of other organizations and i got dogpiled um every time i did um so there there's a lot of mentality where basically follow in line uh, don't go against the team um i i think that leads to people not wanting to speak out people don't want to jeopardize their jobs and their livelihood or the ministries that they've worked really hard um, to, to build up. I mean, I think of staff people that I know who definitely don't agree with this, but don't want to jeopardize what they're doing because what they're doing is, is good and they can more or less do it independently. Um, th there are people who are able to get around um, the social justice stuff. Just because it's promoted from the top doesn't mean that everyone is promoting it themselves. That you can still get sectors of crew and, and of course there's other organizations where you just don't hear it yeah. um uh yeah i think a lot of people are also concerned or this is what i heard from the people that i know could be different for other people but they're concerned that if crew has too much negative publicity that it would hurt either their supporters or their parent supporters or their friends supporters and that they would lose funds um i've heard that um, I, I don't really find that a convincing reason not to speak out. Um, I, I think uh, the New Testament paradigm is that those who are promoting false doctrine are the ones who are divisive, not those who point out the false doctrine. That's right. And thus, if there are financial repercussions, which is unfortunate for people who, who aren't going the wrong way. I mean, there can be collateral damage sometimes, and that, that I would want to minimize that and encourage people not just to pull out their funds, um, talk to your ministry partners first, definitely. But at some point, if there is or there are repercussions for people, that's big crew's fault. That's the right. people who are actually promoting these ideas. But I think those are some ideas that would, or reasons that would lead people not to want to speak out. Um, so 
what what did you see then when you were interning with crew for those two years uh, on the local, national, state level? What you know, all three of those things. What did you notice that prompted you to think, "Wow, this organization as a whole seems to be moving this way"? Um. Well, I'll get to the local team last, and, and when I do, I, I don't intend to like share personal names just because I don't think it's right to pick on individual, private individuals. Um, Understand. But definitely at both of the winter conferences I went to in the Southeast um, and, and the way they describe the regions has shifted over the past few years because they just did a massive reorganization. Um, but that played a significant role. Um, just this past December, uh, we had a PCA pastor get up and he preached from Nehemiah, the, the section of Nehemiah that's on uh, the covenant renewal ceremony. Um, and he talked about white privilege and talked about how you know, people that complain that this is just a political thing, they're, they're just irritating him. And then I think went to twist the passage by reading himself in, in modern um, sociological ideas into the passage. That, that's another reason why it really irritates me, because it's not faithful exegesis um, of the biblical text. It's really reading modern ideas in. Um, the winter conference before that, um, we at, toward the end there was a, a giant panel. Not a giant. We had the giant stage with a large audience, and there were several people on on the stage in this panel. Um, a two young black women, an Asian woman, and a Hispanic woman, and a white guy. Um, and you can guess which one was doing the. I just need to listen. I just need to hear what they're saying i'm right I'm, I'm the one who's like has the power and i want to give that up it, that was very very clear um and i thought it was very unfortunate uh, both for those young women because they don't have to be victims um they that's i, I think really the the mentality is uh, subversive to human dignity on both sides but that that happened and it those weren't the only things at winter conference there are positive things there are wonderful speakers at, at both of them but this is something that's coming in it's not the only thing that's going on with crew there's a lot of good which is why i'd say the, i really want to push back because this isn't crew's legacy and i don't want it to be right um, there's great work uh, that yeah and we don't want that either us. yeah i don't want that i this is more of a warning to say, yeah. go this direction um, because we love you and you've done some good things, not uh, let's destroy the organization. And yeah. um, I think maybe that's being misunderstood by some of those in leadership there. I've seen some of yeah. the posts by well, it's damage control. Um, yeah. and I had that experience on a really sh small level. Um, so but Scott, you just mentioned um, two winter conferences and I, what years, do you remember what years those were that you're talking about? The last December and then the December before oh, that. Oh, okay, so recent. And one in, in, the, the videos are online if you want to go find all the speakers. Okay, and the other panel was, it was what subject was that panel supposed to be talking about that they got into this weird conversation? The, the entire theme of the, the winter conference was supposed to be on world missions. Um, okay. This was in Atlanta the year before last, and they talked, to, they're really, I think the ideas of ethnic, minorities and missions have gotten really wrapped up in 
and almost indistinguishable in the minds of some people with the social justice, victimhood, oppressor, oppressed um, sort of mentality. So they, they were talking about ways in which majority culture can listen to minority culture. That, that was the general thrust of it. Um, gotcha. It, there were other weird things that happened um, there too. Um, so, so, yeah, tell us a little more. Tell us uh, what other things you saw. I know you wanted to leave the local stuff sort of to, to the end, but what other things did you see at some of these conferences? Well, just at the winter conference in Atlanta a year before last, um, it was really weird. Normally, I think what they do, and this, this had been my first winter conference, um, but my understanding is that normally they have uh, an outreach day, which is great. Train, train young Christian uh, college students in evangelism. Um, and, and someone majorly goofed uh, because they ended up inviting this guy who was a lunatic, for, for lack of a better word. And, and they fixed it. They fixed it very quickly. Someone did not do their homework and they sent out a massive apology and shut him down very quickly. Um, basically, the complaint was, if you want to look up the guy, Worldwind Missions, I think is the, the, the organization. No one at crew actually takes him seriously. It was a complete mistake and they handled it well. They cut it off. But um, the point that everyone was offended by was that he'd made racially insensitive comments, which was horrible. Um, if you can think of, uh, just imagine a stereotypical kind of bore, like a obnoxious person who, who really is uncultured and, and puts his foot in his mouth. That, that's pretty much what this guy was. But he was also a raging Pelagian. Um, and, and what he wanted us to do was to go to these, these poor, this poor apartment complex and talk to these kids and try and get them to pray the sinner's prayer. And, you know, boom, they pray this prayer and they become Christians. And yay, good. No emphasis on the local church, getting them discipled, getting their families discipled. It, it was about as theologically bad as, as you can think. Um, and after he left, everyone was offended, and rightly so. And Cruz sent out a massive apology to everyone via email, even people who weren't there, and convened an a assembly for all the staff and people who were at the, not the students, they wanted to keep them out, thank goodness, um, but the staff, and to give them an opportunity to voice their complaints and, and the ways in which they're offended. As I recall, I was the only one who was offended by the obnoxious Pelagianism. Let's just get these kids to pray a prayer, and that means they're Christians. Everyone else was offended by the obnoxious statements that he made about culture and ethnicity, which were bad. But what, what direction? Were they flowing? And I, I'm just a little confused. So he's making these statements against a particular ethnic group. Then? It wasn't against. He was just woefully, stereotyping, uh, stereotyping, particularly Hispanics, um, okay. which was it wasn't good. It was bad. But there is also the completely aberrant theology that no one else seemed to notice. Okay, so your point is that there's kind of a weak uh, theology. Then they cared much more about the him putting his foot in his mouth and being offensive in terms of ethnicity than they did about him wanting to get false converts effectively. It, okay. Yeah. That's the priorities were not in, in the right order. 
Yeah, and that's something that I've noticed in other organizations as well. It seems like there's uh, more of a priority, more of an orthodoxy almost that's forming around these more tertiary or secondary issues. And of course, yeah. you know, we don't want to offend anyone um, when it's not necessary, if possible, obviously. And uh, there's certainly racially insensitive remarks that we would both condemn here together, but we would see those things as as bad, but not as bad as someone going to hell because they've trusted exactly. in false gospel. And, exactly. and we're seeing the cart before the horse now, um, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Uh, it, so um, what other things did you see then at, at some of these conferences? Uh, I know well, you had talked on the phone and you told me a few things. Um, those were the primary things that I encountered at the winter conferences. There was also the new staff intern um, train. We basically last October, we had to go away for a week um, to, I forget where it is, somewhere in South Carolina um, toward the, the northern tip and Spartanburg, I think. Yeah, Spartanburg. And again, the, the emphasis was very much on let's listen to these minority groups. Let's set aside our privilege. They, they showed a movie on MLK um, and the civil rights movement, which is great. I, I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing, but it doesn't, doesn't have much to do with missions and, and evangelism on a college campus. That, that's, if, that's, if your hope is suffrage for a particular ethnic group, that, that's a really worldly hope. And again, it, it was the priorities. Um, yeah. Misusing Ephesians too. That, that that's that's an interesting one. I, I I heard that at several different points, um, where that that's just sort of simplistically used for racial reconciliation. It, it has application very much, but I think what people forget is that that um, it's talking about Jews and Gentiles coming together and, and Gentiles and Jews forming the the new Israel, the the new covenant community. Um, and, and when you just cut corners exegetically and apply it to African-Americans and white people in, in America, you miss the wonderful unity of all these ethnic groups coming together to form, in effect, a new Israel, a new nation um, that isn't at home here on earth, but in the new heavens. And I think with these wrong emphases, with the issues of priority that, that I experienced, again, I have my narrow experience, but I think others corroborate this. Um, they end up missing out. Uh, that, that was one of the passages I heard talked about at that training week. Um, and there are other weird things. Was that the training week? I know you had mentioned to me uh, when we spoke that you had to go and do, it was kind of like an evangelism, but not really. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't you tell That's that story? Um, the, the guy... We were each, because we were all new staff and interns, and there were older staff with us who were supposed to like mentor us and guide us. Um, the guy, who's a wonderful guy, I enjoyed spending time with him those days, uh, but he had us, he had me and another intern break off, and we went to this sort of satellite campus. I forget what college it is, it's in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, and we had a uh, normal versions of the, the KGP, the Knowing God Personally booklet, the, the Four Spiritual Laws, for those who aren't familiar. Um, and we had specific ones for impact, which is the, the African American Outreach Ministry of Crew. Um, and what he, he wanted me and this other 
intern to do is to go find all the African-American students um, and invite them to an impact meeting that we're trying to start on campus. Um, it was socially awkward because I and the other guy are, are these two young white dudes and walking up to, to the black students like, come join our, our black student ministry. And, and <laughs> it's, it's just really weird. And I tried to explain, this is socially awkward. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, well, it's uh, not the church either. The church is supposed to welcome, you know, every, every background to, like you just said, unite around the common message of the gospel and, and forgiveness in Christ. And that's just, yeah. that would be awkward to say, I'm not in your group, but come out for a group for you. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, and I don't, I don't mind outreaches that are specifically targeting groups. I mean, we have Muslim outreaches. We have outreaches that are missionaries that specifically go to, to try and win Jews or um, people of Asian American background. I, I don't mind that as long as they're brought into the church. Um, but it was just really weird. So eventually I looked at my friend and said, we're, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to do, we took the normal um, booklets, the tracts, and we started walking up to people, inviting them to the normal meeting and saying, hey, we have this other thing that you, you can go to if you'd like. Um, well, it seems like the assumption behind something like that, and, and this isn't the first time I've heard of a similar, um, I've heard of even, you know, guys trying to use theobonics, which is like eubonics, but you know, you know, hey, hey, white dudes who grew up in the suburbs, you need to start learning theobonics. And, and it almost is like that they assume that there's a barrier um, that ethnic groups have that makes it impossible for them to understand the Christian yeah. message apart from changing the whole style uh, and the way it's communicated, which is unlike, you know, a religious background, like a Muslim, a Muslim, of course, is going to come from a background that they understand Islam and you have to talk about what it, what the Trinity is and explain mm. it. And those kind there are, there's an actual barrier there, but it's almost like they're creating an artificial barrier because, you know, yeah. if I talk to I, someone I, who knows English, who's grown up in this country, like I shouldn't have to go to them and be like, well, I know you're, you know, you're 50% black or you're Asian or you're, you know, they speak my language. I can tell them the gospel, right? Is, is that's my heart. And I, I think, yeah, I, I definitely think there's a danger to pushing the contextualization too far. It, they, yeah, later on in that day, I had a conversation with the guy because I, very clearly did not agree with the the sort of mentality and approach um, to witnessing and evangelizing um, particular groups that he had. Um, and we were talking about uh, the local church and how this would work. Um, and I forget the details of the conversation, but it became very clear to me after a while that the issue really was one of ecclesiology and his understanding of the mission of the church. Um, he, his concern was that certain aspects of the church and worship wouldn't, they would turn off um, certain minorities, that they wouldn't be able to overcome this, and that they wouldn't feel at home, they'd feel uncomfortable, and they would leave. Um, and I, I'm part of the OPC, Orthodox Presbyterian Church. We hold to the regulative principle of worship, the idea that worship, our standards of worship aren't whatever the Bible permits, but rather what the Bible prescribes. Um, and if those are your priorities, then as long as you have the right preaching of the word and the sacraments, all, all the other stuff, that it, it doesn't matter as much. Um, 
And his argument and response was, well, it, it might take a lifetime for these people to, to get to that point where they understand that. And, and I think that goes back to what you were saying, where you assume that these groups can't understand. So wait, let me get this straight. He was saying like a certain ethnic group, it would take them a lifetime to understand. I want to just make sure. Because, I because of their cultural background and the, the perceived hurts they might feel, the perceived depression that they might feel, um, the hostility that they might be worried about or just general uncomfortableness. Um, so he's yeah, saying it, that's a barrier to the gospel then? That... Yeah, certain styles of worship might be. Wow, that's fascinating. Do you, do you remember what styles or was it vague? I, I can't remember. It, it was vague. I think most of the time we were trying to understand what on earth the other person was, was saying. It, it yeah, was it's a new language. You chase your, chase your opponent around trying to define the terms. Um, but it, it did become clear that a lot of this was the result of not having, I think, a fully formed theology. Um, that's Nature holds the vacuum. If you don't have good, solid theology that, that's comprehensive, you, I think you end up imbibing stuff with the world. That's certainly what's happening with the issue of homosexuality and sure. true and it, everywhere. It, it's certainly not just true. It, it, I encountered it in RUF as a student, encountered it elsewhere. So um, why don't we talk a little bit more about, I don't know if you have other stories you wanted to share from more the national level, but if not, can, let's talk about some of the things you experienced on the local level. Cause these were to me more concerning because you shared concerns about some of the things you saw and the response you got. I just think that it, it's almost terrifying that you would get the response yeah. that you got. So why don't you go ahead and talk about some of that? Again, I, I do want to stress that I, I love the people that I worked with. Um, we didn't always get along, and I think there was not the smoothest ending. Um, but I do care about them, and I my goal isn't to hurt them. That's that's why I'm not going to share their names. Um, I respect that. I, I think there are there were some things that were very upsetting, and I think they weren't handled very well. Um, we had. La not last fall, fall before. Last fall, we talked about same-sex attraction every other week, and that was explosive. Every and other week? It, we, we had wow. staff meetings on Mondays, and yeah, I, I think there are more important things to talk about, but what the sort of things I was interested in weren't priorities, um, unfortunately, uh, but that wasn't my decision. So some, one of the other girls um, was really uh, felt led to minister to that group because we were on a college campus, a secular school. So big, not a big portion, but a sizable one. Um, and she felt called to that, which is fine. Um, I don't think the resources that we used were the best. Um, I, I think crew is kind of soft, but they're not the only ones. But the year before that, um, every staff meeting, we'd start off with a discussion about a particular minority group. Um, or in the case of women, a perceived minority group, sort of a, because they're not actually a minority, um, an oppressed group. Uh, we talked about Asian Americans. We talked about, I don't know if we ever got to Native Americans. Um, we got to African Americans, definitely, women. Um, we were going to get to LGBTQ plus uh, people. I was going to lead that. That would have been interesting. Um, but we that got cut off. Um, we talked about uh, Hispanics, et cetera, never talked about men. Um, but 
yeah, those were really uncomfortable conversations. And I think, I think my leaders sincerely wanted to have good conversations, but I, I, I know the people who were uh, the guy who was in charge at the time, and he really is good at listening and does care. But I think it might have been slightly naive to think that it would work. Um, just because you can't have such an explosive conversation, um, potentially explosive conversation in the span of 15 minutes. So, so Scott, week. what I'm hearing from you is, you know, two years, uh, you're, you're mm -hmm. on staff, uh, essentially you're an intern and you're in these staff meetings. And for the first year, one of the themes that kept coming up was these oppressed groups. Yeah. So trying to understand them, which uh, trying to understand is one thing, but you're saying this, this was the, this was the whole thing. It was like, that was the main emphasis was just trying to understand victim groups. And then the second year, same sex attraction and understanding yeah. that was the emphasis. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, the, it wasn't just understanding. Um, th there really wasn't time to like think critically and to really talk about it. Uh, what I felt, very much the way I felt pressured was to listen and agree um particularly the staff person who was leading it um not the one who was like overall over everything but the individual who was leading it um very much was in favor of um listen and that really meant agree um, so to agree that these groups are oppressed that we and, as the Christians need to do something and that, that I would have a voice I can't think critically about it because you're um, not an oppressed individual. Because I'm white and male. Okay. Um, and I, I, th this was part of the thing that really caught my attention with that sort of litany of clips that was put together and, and sent around the web. Um, the, the one at the, I don't know if you saw the same video or if there are multiple versions of it, but the one, the clip at the end of the video I saw with the woman at Q&A asking the speakers, well, my, my family came over and after slavery, and that's documented. We never had slaves. How can I be blamed for this? And the response was, your skin color, because you're part of that, that culture, um, you benefit from the oppression of others. Um, and I, I asked that same question, and I had that exact same response given to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, so these are the discussions. Who didn't necessarily know my background, which was actually quite cosmopolitan growing up. Grew up in a secular family with a lot of different kind of friends. Um, yeah. But that didn't matter. Um, so this is interesting because uh, Steve Sellers, when he put out this uh, message to all the supporters, he said, the, those people that we had at our staff conference this last summer, like Sandra Van Opstel and James White, and we, you know, they were just guests. They don't necessarily represent Cruz beliefs. But what you're telling me is that same stuff that you saw in that clip that was in the small group staff meetings you saw on the campus you were at. Yeah. I mean, it, it might not have been that way with the other local teams, but it, it really was with mine. Um, That's it, interesting. It wasn't all that we did. Um, and not every staff member agrees with that. Certainly not. But that was the priority of the leadership of my team um, okay. at the time. What and, kinds of things did you see? I know you had told me some things uh, about um, – different events you held locally and and some things you saw uh, that kind of bothered you mm -hmm. well um that first year first year was interesting because we had a hurricane 
And then Richard Spencer, you know, the, the white supremacist neo-Nazi guy, came to right. our camp and caused not another you know, hurricane. Farm and another storm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we wanted to do something to respond to that, which is fair. Um, and we invited a speaker, but we did this dragged on for multiple weeks. I, I think at, at some point it became too political. Um, one of the staff members who was speaking and leading one of these events was wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt on stage, which I think was really inappropriate. And that individual wore it to many other things, including staff meetings. I, I, I so would they not, represented crew and yeah. were wearing this in the capacity of being a yeah. representative on stage. Wow. I would not have worn a crew. I wouldn't have worn a, a Trump t-shirt. I wouldn't have been allowed. There's no way. I can't imagine I wouldn't have gotten fussed at for that, given the things I was fussed at for. Um, but yeah, this individual did. And the same individual later on uh, was on stage and encouraged all the students at our main meeting to sign a petition restoring voting rights to felons, which I mean, if that individual wants to do it, that's fine. But this was at a crew event. Yeah. Which I, again, I, I, I wow. went up to us afterward and said, I think this is really inappropriate. And his response was, well, but she's getting the idea from one of our churches that partners with us and, and, and nothing happened. Um, the same individual I on Slack, because we had been having these conversations and I'm thinking, well, I know there's an alternative viewpoint. How about I share and our, our, you know, the Slack app where businesses communicate. Mm -hmm. um, I shared a link to the statement on social justice. The, the one that MacArthur and Vody Balcom and the, James White that I like um, uh, put together um, along with the first of MacArthur's um, blog articles about social justice. And I said, um, I said, yeah, I think this is relevant given the sort of conversations we've had. Uh, I'd encourage you all to read it if you're interested, think critically about it uh, and, and just consider it whether you end up agreeing with it or not. I mean, it, it was, I, it could not have been more innocuous. And I've shown it to others, uh, my friends, and talked about it with others. But apparently it wasn't innocuous enough because when I was talking to another of the, the staff members who was over me, one of my bosses, that could be one of several people. So I'll let people back home can't necessarily figure it out immediately. Um, I was meeting with him for lunch because he wanted to get to know me. Um, and that, that came up and he was like, I, I wanted to talk to you, Scotty, about appropriate use of Slack. And my heart went cold. I didn't know what he was talking about. I was ready to have something surprise me. And then it did surprise me because he mentioned that. Um, and so you're not my, allowed to share the statement on social justice. No, no, I wasn't not in that context, apparently, because that, that's divisive and it would have caused arguments and but the, you can wear a black lives matter t-shirt. Yeah. And the, the better, yeah, they, they were not handling it. Well, I, I think it gets better. I'll explain why I think that is why they're not handling it well, but um, yeah, the conversation went on and I asked him, well, how, how on earth should I have shared it? Because we had a large staff team. Uh, this was at the beginning of last year, August before last. Um, and it, thought it was relevant. How can I share this link with a bunch of people all at once so I don't have to go to them individually? And they kind of stared at me for a good 20 seconds. 
because uh, he didn't have a better answer and finally he came up with one well i should have gone to everyone individually which is just socially awkward um and it's inefficient and unnecessary i mean it's it was the specific hour after hours uh chat in, in our slack app it was the most efficient most logical way to share it but um that wasn't okay and he said you know there's there's a spectrum of acceptable belief. There's the mainstream, and then there's um, acceptable dissent, and then there's stuff that's not acceptable over here, like white supremacy and KKK, et cetera. Um, and I asked, well, are you suggesting that I'm in that latter category? Um, and he said, well, some people would, would put you there, would put, would put what, you're, what that statement on social justice said there. Um, which wow. is really weird because MacArthur has partnered with Crew. Um, that, that, that I think is very unfair. And I was an intern. Um, part of my weakness is I, I didn't necessarily speak up and, and approach them every time I should have. Mostly just kept it to myself. So I let it go. Um, I mean, it's really hard to talk to your boss and say, I think you're wrong uh, when you're... Right. But yeah, that I think wasn't handled well. And I think it that, among other things, set a very negative tone for my year. Yeah, what did that do for you, Scott, when you heard that? Was that kind of like you just put up your hands and said, well, forget it. I'm going to just kind of ride this out. Or like, I, how did it make you feel? It got to, to that point. That was a process. Um, and there, there are other things that don't have to do with social justice and this sort of trajectory that happened that aren't aren't really relevant they're more personal issues um but yeah that that was really unpleasant and and hurtful um it definitely didn't endear me because like i was supposed to get to know him what what's your sense uh at least in in the circle that you were in of the other crew staff members and interns where what are they thinking in general i'm not looking for the outliers like yourself but are are they mostly um you know into the social justice stuff and, and waving that flag or are they just kind of going along or both or what do you think? The impression I get and again my experience is limited is that most people are just going along. Um, I think there are a lot of faithful Christians who want to evangelize um, and are, are trying to do that well and they hear trusted leaders promoting these ideas and they imbibe them. Um, and that, that's part of why I'm willing to speak out because I, I think of the students back home who, who are, are really care about and I don't want them to adopt the, these viewpoints just by default. They don't have to agree with me, but I want them to at least know that not everyone agrees on right. with narratives uh, and that there are, I think, really convincing arguments against them. Were there any other stories or situations that you wanted to share about uh, from um, crew at all? Yeah, I, I mentioned that I think there's a reason why it, things were handled the way they were with me. Um, I, I get the impression that with that one particular staff person who was very much into social justice movement and Black Lives Matter, et cetera, I think that individual caused a lot of noise and made people uncomfortable at times. And thus the people over me mainly wanted to keep the peace and were willing to make compromises that really weren't fair. Um, one of my other coworkers had posted online on Facebook, you know, the, the entire issue with Kavanaugh and the, the woman who 
was claiming he raped her and oh right yeah I remembered this after decades um he posted something to the effect of on facebook why would anyone believe this woman with a link to an article um but that that did not go over well because the the danger is that well if one of our female students sees this what are they going to think they might they might feel uncomfortable coming to us if something happened to them um so, so promoting... he, got forced, he got forced to take it down um <laughs> I, I i think on his wait this is his personal facebook yeah i think i think they they have too tight a control on i, My I think goodness so he posted his thoughts on his personal facebook about the Kavanaugh situation. I don't work for crew anymore. And they complain that I post on my personal Facebook page because somehow I'm, I owe loyalty to a particular group. That's stunning to me. That's I, I thought it was unreasonable. I've talked to my dad. I've talked to others and, and not everyone agrees. I think, I think a lot of evangelicals, a lot of people I really care about are imbalanced in the sense that they are overly compassionate. And I think this leads to issues with homosexuality too, um, where they're so worried about offending people that they over listen. They, they're way too quick to accept whatever someone else says rather than thinking critically about it, which is not the biblical standards of justice where you have to determine what happened, who was involved, et cetera. I mean, right. think of the Mosaic laws back in Deuteronomy, um, the we way you to- establish justice, two or three witnesses. Um, but that, that's not the concern. It's listen to people and accept, presume that they're in the right. Now you had told me about wanting to go, uh, talk. It was a group on campus. I don't know if it was the young Republicans or more conservative group. And, oh yeah. Um, I, I think first of all, I'll say it was the same staff person who really didn't like conservative stuff. Um, but that individual, I think, did did learn not to interrupt a staff meeting and call someone out if if they didn't like it, it what was said because uh, that's what happened with um, my other coworker when he posted on Facebook. Uh, but this individual texted me and met up, and I had said in staff meeting, um, you know, why, why don't we suggest that some of our young conservative guys maybe attend YAF or College Republicans or some other conservative group, Turning Point USA. Yeah. Um, young, young America's Foundation, for those who don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Um, because one of the things that we tried to do, because Cruz primarily evangelistic, is to get our students really involved on campus so they can meet non-Christians and so that they can make friends and do relational evangelism. It's not the only way to do it, but that's something that Cruz promotes. Um, so, and we were sending our students and suggesting they go to their engineering clubs, uh, journalism club, whatever, for their major or some leadership thing. And I was looking at all the pamphlets and, you know, you had these nice, cute looking leadership events for UF. But I was thinking if I were a student, this would look boring as heck. Um, So why not encourage our young males who I know some of them are very conservative, go to college Republicans or YAF. it seemed fine. It seemed like a reasonable thing to do uh, at the time. But then I got a text and met up with the, the staff member and she wanted to encourage me. You know, I want to make sure that you know that YAF is a registered hate group. 
Young America's uh, Foundation, which I think their base is at the Reagan Ranch in California, that's a hate group. And they, they promote white supremacists and racists. And I told her I'd, I'd never heard of this. I, I don't know anything. Thank you for telling me this. I asked her, who's, who's got them registered? According to whom are they a hate group? And the response was the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center. <laughs> and I, I bit my tongue because I had about a month left. Yeah. Um, the SPLC is a hate group. And I wanted to say that. And, and again, her, her particular ideas are not reflected as crew as a whole. I know that because we had a faculty commons um, conference which was wonderful. It was fantastic. Faculty Commons is the, the faculty ministry for CRIP because um, we reach out not only to students, but staff and, and the professors as well and grad students. Uh, but they had a, a lawyer from the Alliance Defending Freedom come and, and speak about how you can and can't share your faith in, in the environment of a secular university. And the SPLC has labeled them a hate group too and got them demonetized from Amazon Smile. So clearly the SPLC standards are not the same. Um, hmm. Yeah. So they, they'll allow a young um, Alliance Defending Freedom to come in. But if you were to go to a Young America's Foundation meeting, that's a double standard, it sounds like. The, and, and that's, again, that's not reflective of the organization crew. Right. That's one individual within it. Uh, again, I'm trying to explain my slice of the pie. And, and Understood. Crew didn't my leaders didn't do anything to stop it. And I think that's part of the problem is that you have a very vocal group. And I think that's why evangelicalism as a whole is going this way. You get very vocal, outspoken people who very, feel very passionately and promote these things and other people for the sake of peace um, don't stop them. It's just incredible to me that, you know, I know this is a different event, but you're at this winter conference and they want you to go and um, as a white male go to black students and invite them to a black group, a black ministry group. And that's in your purview as an intern with crew, but then to encourage guys who are already conservative to go to a yeah. ideologically yeah. conservative group with this, at least this one staff individual who had some authority. No, that that's not okay. That's yeah. just, that's just blatantly contradictory in, in my mind, at least it's just um, frustrating. <laughs> Her authority was limited, um, but still. But it affected no one, you. It did. No one stopped. No one stopped that, and they didn't stick up for me when I think they really should have. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, so I, Scott, I, I thought it, they, yeah. they didn't always care about. Um, at least they didn't seem to care so much about white males or, or white students in general. One of the things I kept complaining about because we had problem with shrinking numbers. Um, at our, our local movement at UF um, and tried to point out a, a few times, especially the first year, uh, I think we need to be careful about too much politics because we, it's an evangelical organization. You've got conservative people, especially among the young males. We, we don't want to like shoot ourselves in the foot and destroy the numbers we actually have. Um, but the very, the, the big push was let's get minorities. And, and that, that wasn't just my campus. That seemed to be the region as a whole, at least in Florida. I, I really can't imagine it wasn't elsewhere. And, and it was specific minorities. Um, I remember two 
higher than my boss, the level higher than my uh, boss at the local level. Um, they came and met, and they, wonderful guys. I like them. Um, had them over at my house, actually. Uh, not here, but back in Florida. And I asked them, because they were talking about how we need to reach minority students, I asked them, what about, what about Muslims or Jewish students? Because it, those are groups that need Christ. They don't have any knowledge of Christianity within their, their group because it's a different religion. African Americans and Asians and Hispanics and white people in general all have Christians within their groups that can minister to them or cross culture. But especially Muslims coming from a different country, there's a big need and there's a growing number on our campus. That, that wasn't the priority. I asked them why it wasn't. And they said, well, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, mm -hmm. And it was very frustrating as a missions organization. Why, why not more of a push for that? Um, yeah. Yeah, Scott. Well, I'm grateful that you shared uh, some of your experience. And it's concerning that this is happening because this is where the rubber meets the road. It's one thing to hear what's going on at a big conference, but it's Another thing to hear from the ground up, a student uh, or an intern who's working with students and, and to hear that these ideas are actually having an effect on campuses. And, in my experience, definitely. Yeah, and, and so um, yeah, I, I think uh, the concerns that we would both share would be that, uh, like you had just shared about the Muslims coming in, that there's a mission drift from sharing the gospel as uh, the, the truth of God that applies to every person and breaks down those uh, gender and, and, you know, racial barriers and so forth. So people can unite and we're building barriers and then trying to, um, uh, tr trying to, I'm going to use the word privilege here, privilege some groups with the resources that crew and other evangelical organizations have while not putting emphasis where it's probably more needed. Um, and in the, case of refugees coming here that, and that that's just uh that's a concern of uh, over mission drift i know there's more concerns than just that but um you know you, you kind of ended it on that note and so that's the, what's you know percolating in my mind what would you say are your if you have other concerns what would those be um i think what you just described is a concern i think um a warped view of the covenant community what it means to be a church uh i think in my experience, listening to some people, um, even here at Wheaton, to some extent, um, less so because I haven't had as many conversations, but often the, the line between um, my ethnic minority Christians and other Christians seems to be much darker, at least in the minds of the people promoting social justice, than the line between minor, ethnic minority Christians and ethnic minority non-Christians. That's um, fascinating. That's a good point. And, and that's really concerning because the New Testament call is to leave your father and mother and hold fast to Christ. It, you're a nation called out of the earth, um, a new people, to die to the old self, the old Adam, and put on the new. You can't do that. There, there is some overlap. I mean, we're in an inter-Advent period, but it, yeah, your ultimate identity is not with your family in an earthly sense. Your ultimate family is the church um, and, and, and to see it any other way. And, and I don't think that people would outright 
disagree, although they might, I've been surprised. Um, but that's functionally the way it seems to me. Yeah. What advice do you have for those out there who are giving to crew and they think maybe my missionary that I support, they're doing good work. Um, would you have, maybe you haven't thought through this, but would you have advice for them on what they should do? Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of ministers of partners, uh, partners, and I didn't, I, I didn't promote these ideas. Um, I wouldn't have, and <laughs> they couldn't have made me. Um, in fact, there were, there were times when I was talking alone with students where I, I explained, I think this is a bad idea. You, you should not go that way. Um, so I, I would say talk to your, your missionaries, talk to the, the crew staff that you support. Definitely don't, don't just pull funds because it's really hard to raise money. It, it really is. I mean, I had to do it twice over the course of a summer, raise 40 grand. That's not easy. Um, but if you're giving to the organization as a whole, maybe consider it or a particular facet of it. Um, do your research first before you hurt people that aren't. Because you don't want to chase out people from the ministry who aren't doing anything wrong, who are doing everything right. Um, yeah, try and minimize the collateral damage. But it, it might happen. Um, people might not listen. And again, I really don't think that's my fault or your fault or anyone else pointing out these issues. That's the fault of the people who are actually divisive, those who are teaching false doctrine. That's the New Testament paradigm if you read the pastoral epistles. Well, Scott, uh, it was a pleasure getting your thoughts, and um, I appreciate you being brave enough to share them. Uh, and I'm sure you'll be getting some messages from friends and others probably about uh, what you've said once this goes online. But, uh, you know, I commend you and, um, you know, stay in touch. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. God bless you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.